Jeeve Galair, folks, you're very welcome to another episode of Ireland and Beyond. And joining me today from Beyond in the Cave Radio Studios is Mr. Patrick Johnson, host of the Irish Music Cafe. Pat, how are you? I'm doing well, Pat. How's yourself? Ah, I'm doing great. I, uh, I'm on a mission to become the Irish Joe Rogan. And I just launched <laughs> the podcast um, not too long ago. But it's, it's so funny because with songs, um, it's easier to get people to listen to a three-minute song. But if you tell them to sit down and listen to an hour of deep conversation, uh, only the few can survive it. So, But it, it is interesting. It's very fulfilling. And, and it's keeping me busy during our uh, third lockdown. You know, I made a... I made a joke that um, lockdown is kind of like a, a, a summer fling or something, you know. When when lockdown first happened, I was like, this is great, you know, this is this is amazing. I was getting all my days off work and school and just eating takeaways all the time. And then as time went on, lockdown became a little more obsessive. It was, oh, you can't see your friends. Oh, if you do, I need to know about it. And now... You know, it seems we're never leaving the house, so it's turned into a shitty relationship. But uh, the podcast keeps me busy, so thanks for joining me. How are things over on your end? I know you guys just celebrated your uh, fifth anniversary, so congratulations on that. No, thank you for that. Yeah, we did. Um, it was five years ago yesterday we launched our very first episode of the Irish Music Cafe. So things are going along well. Um, as far as the radio show is concerned, our listenership keeps growing uh, we have a good base of listeners, and we've got our, uh, some irons in the fire, as they say, as far as getting a few nice guests on over the next few weeks. So we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. But yeah, it's all good. Yeah, and I must, I have to sincerely thank you now, because you were the first DJ ever to play one of my songs. So cheers for that. I appreciate the support. It means a lot. No, no bother. Any, anytime you have a new song, just send it on to me and we'll, get, we'll give it a spin right away. Uh, music to my ears i i'm in a bit of a creative drought with writing songs now just because i don't know i i'm kind of i get inspired by seeing other people on stage like damien dempsey now would be a huge hero of mine so whenever i see him perform i kind of i like i don't know even when i'm singing i get the the shoulders proper posture and anyway that's a tangent um i want to go back to the beginning if that's okay oh for sure so what led to the creation of the Irish Music Cafe five years ago? And did you see yourself becoming what it is today? Um, I'll answer the second question first. No, I never saw it, seeing what it has become today. Um, before we started the Irish Music Cafe, I, I was a fill-in host on another Irish radio program here in Detroit called the Detroit Irish Radio Show. Um, that's been on the air for 24 years now, and the host, um, probably five or six times a year when the host couldn't host the show, she has regular fill-ins, but when they couldn't, when they didn't have a host for the show, she would ring me and ask me if I would host the show for her, and I would. And I did all of their, I engineered all of their remote broadcasts, so if they had to do a live, they, they air their show every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m., if they ever did a live broadcast at an Irish event, for example, uh, and broadcast live from the venue, I would do all the engineering. I would bring all my gear out there, my speakers, the mics, the interfaces, and I would engineer her show for her from from the location. You know, that that's kind of a it's an old-fashioned show in a way in that, you know, they still use CDs and tapes when they play their music in studio. It's an old-fashioned station. And we actually broadcast that show over an analog phone line with an adapter. 
So wherever we went, we had to have an actual landline, as they call it here in the States, an actual phone line with dial tone to broadcast over. So if you went to a pub and and you were broadcasting live from a pub and they only had one phone line, they couldn't answer or make phone calls during that that live broadcast because we were using the the phone line for the broadcast. So I was doing all of her live broadcasts for her and engineering that. And then, um, and then, so when that when that ended, I, I I started thinking the whole time that I'd love to have my own show. I was having such a good time on her show, um, and I went to Ireland in 2015 on a on a tour with with a tour group here, and I I still have family there. So after the tour was over, my wife and I stayed a few extra days and went and visited family. And I, I was invited on as a guest on a couple of Irish radio shows. Um, I was on with Tony Brook on Tip FM. Uh, Shades of Green, the program was called. So I went on and chatted with him. And then Mick O'Brien from the Sinead radio program on Dublin City FM had me on to chat about Irish music in Detroit and in Michigan and the Irish scene here. And it was then that I really, really had that passion, that drive. Then I said, okay, this is something I really would like to do. I'd like to share my knowledge of Irish music. And I had collected and had all, all loads of Irish music from over the years, just being a huge fan of the music. And you know, so many of these radio shows you, you hear, you don't hear as big a variety as you would like. I mean, there's so many different genres of Irish music, right? And I tell yeah. people, and God bless the Clancy Brothers, I tell people Irish music didn't stop getting written in 1962 with the Clancy Brothers. <laughs> there's so many Irish artists, young artists, yourselves, right? The young ones that, that need their music exposed. And it might it might not be, all be trad music. There's Irish country and Celtic rock and pop and folk and alternative and whatever. And that, that was our goal, was to, to share all types of Irish music on a weekly basis and can make sure that the, our heritage and our music with the young folks continued and it didn't, didn't go away when, uh, when all the old folks are gone. Yeah, that's, that's very important as well because uh, culture plays a huge role in how our like, culture and society go hand in hand. And in a weird way, so do uh, politics, I find. Well, I... I have to be careful how I phrase that. I just find that um, arts have become political and it's kind of, there's a place for it for sure, but then sometimes you're like, Jesus, I don't want to hear another song about COVID or Trump or, you know what I mean? Like, just can we not enjoy the finer things in life? But, um, pardon my ignorance now, but from the outside looking in, Detroit has a stigma of being kind of a poverty-stricken city and not very Irish at all. So was there a challenge, I guess, because it's picked up a following here in Ireland, your show, was there a challenge of telling people, oh yeah, we're, we've got a pretty solid Irish population here, or? Not, not really. Um, Detroit, believe it or not, has, has a good Irish base. Now, it is, it is declined over the, over the last couple of decades, but back in the 60s and 70s, there was a lot of Irish immigrants that settled in Detroit because of the big three auto companies and the industry that was here. And and Detroit being an international border town, we're only across the Ambassador Bridge from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. So so a lot of immigrants may have come over and settled in, in Canada and then made their way across the bridge into the States and then never left Detroit because it's the, the first city you get to when you leave Canada. So back in the 70s and 60s, a lot of those came over here for the industries and stayed. And then, you know, they started having children and their children had children. So it's, it's grown in a way, but there was a small wave of Irish immigrants that came over maybe in the 90s. We had, a, you know, a few families, a few groups that came over. 
but it's really slowed down since then um, as far as immigrants from Ireland. But, yeah, you know, the Irish here, they, they, we, have a, we have a good few in the area. And Michigan in itself, there's some great areas in Michigan. Sure, there's, there's several really good Irish music festivals that happen here in the state of Michigan during the summertime that draw, you know, hundreds of thousands of people combined. So, yeah, it wasn't that hard to, to convince everybody. When I first started the show, I, went, I asked three, three people, three prominent Irish men in, in the community, um, what my plans were and asked them their opinion on it. And all three of them said, how can we help you get started? So they all, they all agreed that there was something that was needed. And, and I don't think that, um, I, I don't think that Detroit gets a fair shake sometimes as far as um, the stigma, like you said, that they have. Yeah. In some ways it's, it's, it's poverty stricken in some areas, but what big city doesn't have areas like that? Exactly. Right? Yeah. The downtown area of Detroit is really booming and Corktown, which is, um, which is on the West side of downtown Detroit, uh, it's the area where Henry Ford uh, first settled, and Corktown is is a very booming and popular area. I could never afford to live in Corktown or downtown Detroit. The the cost of of flats and apartments and condos, et cetera, the prices have gone sky high. I could never afford to live down there. It's such a popular popular place down there now. Um, so so it's a very very thriving area at at this moment. And if you talk to any of the bands that have come to come to Detroit and played in Detroit over the years. And ask them their opinion of Detroit and their time here, they'll tell you that they absolutely love it. So Detroit does get a bad a bad name sometimes that's not deserved. Yeah, I tell you, I'm itching to get back to Michigan. Like uh, for a year, I lived in Southwest Michigan when I was really young, um, just due to a recession and finding work, etc. But I used to love like the area was uh, Sawyer, so the nearest big town would be New Buffalo, and then the nearest big town would be Michigan City, Indiana after that. But lovely part of the world. I've never made it out to Detroit, but uh, it it seems like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, if I had to make a comparison, it's kind of like Dublin in that, you know, there's a way Dublin is perceived and then there's a way Dublin actually is. And if you find a lot of those old timers, like the genuine people and not the tourist traps, Dublin is a fascinating city. But oftentimes it gets overlooked because, you know, the north side has crumbling and all these gangs and crime. But really, if you forget about that, because you're, you're going to find that everywhere and just focus on the genuine people, you'll often find um, that there's a lot of good and a lot of, a lot of solid people that make up a city, you know? Yeah, Detroit's a very blue-collar town. So it's you know, automotive industry-driven um, factories and, and industry, so they're hard workers. You know, Detroit people are hard workers. And listen, in the Irish community, we were talking about this yesterday after our show. Um, the Irish community in Detroit looks after each other, and they're, it's a very tight knit group. So yeah. uh, we're, we're we're blessed to have the people that we have around here, for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that Detroit has a lot of Irish music festivals, and one such festival is the Motor City Irish Fest, which I believe, do you play a hand in that? I, I do, yeah. I'm on the committee for the Motor City Irish Fest, and I'm uh, one of the MCs for the main stage for the for the, when the bands come on and off to do the introductions, and I and I look after the bands when, when they come in, and um, I'm involved in, in the entertainment portion of it, so I'll, I'll contact bands and do some negotiation on, on contracts, etc., um, Kevin Murphy is the co is the co-chair. He's the the main guy for the festival, and I work with him closely uh, as far as securing bands and and working with the public relations department as well. And another um, 
interesting. Hopefully it's not a rival to you guys, but there's another great, uh, the Michigan Irish Music Festival, which actually at home, before all the COVID and stuff, there used to be a competition run by Eamon DeBarra, who plays um, Bowron and Keys and Whistle. He just does everything for uh, Damien Dempsey on the road when he doesn't have the full band. It'll be him and Sean Regan on the fiddle. And every year they do this Battle of the Bands thing called the Michigan Irish uh, Music Initiative, I believe. And basically you send in a demo. If they like it, they uh, get back to you. And then they have a Battle of the Bands. And then the winner gets to play the Michigan Irish Music Festival. And last year I wanted to do it. And then this all came and threw it up upside down, you know, but... Yeah, Michigan Irish Music Festival is a fabulous festival. It's out in Muskegon every September, and it's it's the biggest Irish festival in the state of Michigan. Um, the Motor City Irish Fest is a great festival. We're nowhere, we're nowhere near the size of the Michigan Irish Music Festival. They've done a fabulous job out there. Yeah, and a matter of fact, I'm, I'm not sure if it was the Conifers or Conla that won that competition a couple of years ago and, and came out and played. I know it was one of them that started with the C. They've both been there. Um, yeah. It might have been con- the Conifers that, that won it. But uh, I've seen them play out there. They Michigan Irish Music Festival brings in some fabulous acts. I mean, Andy Irvine, uh, Aoife Scott, uh, just some of the biggest Irish bands that that are in this country and from abroad. Slide, um, just some of the, some of the great bands. It, it, they they play a lot of bring a lot of trad bands in, but it's one of the best festivals. They really look after their artists when they come in, and that's that's probably the biggest drawing festival in, in the state. And I, I go. Any chance I get in, in, in September, if I can get out that way, it's about a three-hour drive from where I'm at, but it's a fabulous festival. Yeah. Did you say your mother was a tip woman, or was it your grandmother? No, my mother. She was from Thurless, Tipperary. So, yeah, my father was from a little town in Kentucky called Moorhead, Kentucky, and Moorhead, Kentucky is a sister city of Ballymena in County Antrim. Uh, so uh, he was he was forced into the Irish, but my mom was from Thurless. She was born right. If you don't know if you know Thurless or not, but she was born on born in a directly across from Semple Stadium. So Semple Stadium was was in, right. You look out her front window and you can throw a ball off the wall at Semple Stadium. So uh, she she was she was big big into the into her lane and a proud tip woman for sure. Yeah, I I'd imagine so. Um, the part of Kentucky where your father's from is that anywhere near Appalachia by any chance? Uh, yeah, it is. It, it's about an hour east of Lexington, Kentucky, which is the, the main city in Kentucky. So on that particular interstate that goes through there, it's about halfway between Lexington, Kentucky and the West Virginia state border. So that's where you get into the Appalachia stuff. Appalachian stuff is once you get into West Virginia. So it's about an hour from either one. It's just a small college town in the foothills of, of Kentucky. Yeah, I'd say without knowing it or not, he probably had an appreciation for folk music because, you know, a lot of the Irish and the Scots, they ended up down there. I can't remember exactly how, but they did end up down there. Tommy Tiernan has a great joke. He's like, the Irish don't invade anyone. We just infest instead. Um, (laughs) But a lot of that old Appalachian-type music, like, there's a great example of a song called Hairs on the Mountain that a Kentucky group called The Local Honeys recorded but then also here in Ireland, Lancome recorded it as well. And it just goes to show the distance those songs will travel. And I find with the likes of Tyler Childers or 
um, Sturgill Simpson in his early days and Chris Stapleton, whether they know it or not, there's a lot of similarities with that and the Irish ballads. Would you agree or? I, I would. And bluegrass music and, and Celtic music, trad music is is very similar in the instruments that they play. And a lot of the, the newer Irish bands like We Banjo 3 or Jig Jam, um, et, et cetera, they, they're influenced by, by bluegrass music as well. And they call it Celtic grass and there's other names that they call it. Um, yeah. But it's de- there's definitely a connection there. And, it, and I, it, it's all it's all wonderful music. Growing up, would you yourself have appreciated Irish music or did you think it wasn't cool? Because I know when I was a kid, I hated Irish music. I didn't like it at all. And it wasn't until I grew older that I actually got the grow and now the bug has bitten me. No, I'm I'm the opposite. Um, we we were we were brought up in an Irish household. My mom and dad were divorced when I was twelve years old. So we were, um, my mom really raised us from that point on her own, but we were involved in the Gaelic League Irish American Club from a young age. My mom, uh, like I said, immigrated from Ireland and we settled in Detroit back around 1972 or so. And she she immediately joined the, the Irish American Club and we would spend all of our waking moments pretty much down at the Irish American Club. We took Irish step dancing lessons down there. I played Gaelic football for the local Gaelic football teams. So I was around Irish music and I fell in love with it at an early age. Um, my friends were listening to Led Zeppelin and, and, and all these Van Halen and all the, all these rock and roll bands. And I was listening to the Irish records when I came home. And, and it was just something that I've always, always, it's always been in my, in my blood, you know, that these festivals we used to have in downtown Detroit on the riverfront, um, I would sell albums for the bands. The Irish bands would, would hire me. Well, they'd give me a free album is what they would do to go and pedal their albums in, into the crowd while they were playing on stage. And I made connections with these bands that, that still are there today. There's bands that I, that I knew back in the 70s that I sold their albums that I'm friends with now on Facebook, some of the members that are still around. So it's, it's been, it's def- Irish music has been in my blood since I was a young, a young guy. So I, uh, it's always been something that, I, that I've loved and, and, and saved all these albums and collected them and, and built up my music library o- over the decades. Yeah, can you remember um, the first either song or album that you heard that was within the Irish music category that just, that's the one that bit you, you know? Yeah, a lot of them, most of them in the, in the early going were, lo- were local bands. Um, I remember my first exposure to the Wolf Tones. Um, I was a young, young guy, I don't know if I was t- 12 or 13 years of age, maybe. I don't even know if I was adult. And we went down to the Gaelic League Irish American Club to see the Wolf Tones perform. And the president of of the club came up to me and he says, "Listen, I, I have I have a fellow who was supposed to run the spotlights on on the band tonight, but he, he he's not here. He didn't show up. Can you run the spotlights for the show tonight?" And we're talking these these big huge cans of lights. I mean, it's a big big machine with levers that you pull down the filters to change the color from blue to red or whatever. Absolutely, I had no yeah. idea. What, I had no idea what I was doing, but there I was <laughs> sitting on the stool in the corner of the room, shining the spotlights on the Wolf Tones <laughs> uh, for their for their concert at the Gaelic League, and it, it was that was one of my my great. I was I was kind of hooked at that point because I felt I felt like I was on the inside now, right? Because I had yeah. a job to do for the, for this big Irish band coming in, and the place was packed full of people, and so that was yes. Yeah, so the, their, one of their albums, I would say, would be the one that I that they gave me that night, would probably be the biggest one for me. Yeah, that's a very cool story. And would Derek have been in the band at that point too? 
boy, my memory's not that great. So I would say yes, because, yeah, because he didn't leave until in the 90s, I believe, Derek uh, stepped out, if I'm not mistaken, or the 80s. So. But this yeah. was in the mid-70s. So, yeah, I, I would say that Derek was in there. I know there was four of them at the time. Lucky dog. I do remember that. Oh, Lucky my dog. God. It was, it was un, unreal. You know? And the Gaelic League has brought in so many. We did a special show for them a few weeks ago. They just celebrated their 100th anniversary in 2020. Um, they brought in some of the greatest acts that have ever performed. You know, the, just the Furies, Patty Riley, Hal Roach, um, like I said, the Wolf Tones. The, the, they brought in some of the biggest acts ever to play at, at the Gaelic League, and I was exposed to most of them um, as a young fellow. That's very cool. I used to look at all these um, archived videos of uh, Shimsha, Shimsha Kush Lee. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's been a while... I haven't been speaking the old Grailga in probably about a year, I think. But uh, it means fun down by the Lee. And every year down in Parky Cueve in Cork, they'd have this huge festival that they don't do anymore. But you look at videos of the tones back then when Derek was still in the band, and it was phenomenal. So I'm very jealous and at the same time very happy that you got to see uh, got to see all four of them doing their thing when they were when they were in their prime, you know. Yeah, and that, that was during a time, of course, when things were very sensitive in, in Ireland and Northern Ireland with the Troubles. Absolutely. So, so the people who came to see the Tones, I mean, they they were hardcore supporters, and, and it was a it was an electric atmosphere. It, it still is. Now, Derek Warfield still comes through with his young wolf tones. Uh, he comes by once a year at least and plays and plays in the area. But, but it was different back then in that it was a raucous crowd and people singing along and their fist in the air and... It, it was just, it was magical. Yeah. I was at a Wolf Tones gig in Boston. Um, the irony is it was at an electrician's hall. And you would think because it's an, at an electrician's hall, they would know how to turn off the lights because they did the whole show with the lights on. And that just kind of, oh, <laughs> I found that to be a bit of a put off. Like, I, I prefer having, because it was at night and everything too. It wasn't like it was, you know, some early 2 p.m. matinee. Like, this was a proper gig. But anyway, um, they one thing led to another. And wouldn't you know it, some fella had a heart attack, but they had, they had no idea. And he was on the ground and paramedics had to come. And next thing you know, because all the lights were on, and maybe maybe now they'll change it for the next few years. But because all the lights were on, nobody could tell that the fire alarm... You know when the fire alarm goes off and sometimes there's like yeah. blinking lights? No one really noticed that because the whole room was lit up. But it was it was a bonkers, bonkers time. But it, it was mm. a good gig. I, uh, I think I've seen them six times, but I've only been going to their gigs since like 2016. I saw them at uh, the Irish Festival in Boston and before that I hadn't seen them since I was a little kid so I wouldn't really count that as because I can't remember it although Brian Warfield did sign m the inside of my belt I took yeah. off I took <laughs> off my belt um, I don't know if you've been to Shipshawana, Indiana before but it's Amish country and yeah. what um, my dad had got me like a lovely hand-stitched belt and it had all these uh, decals of horses in it and stuff. And so uh, the gig is ending. And they actually flew in on a helicopter, which is crazy. It was an outdoor gig. It was called Crack at the Track. Don't remember what year it was. 
But I remember dad was like, here, give me your belt. And I'm like, what? And so I was only like four or five. And he takes the belt off me, runs up to Brian Warfield, gets him to sign it, and then gives me the belt back. And it was uh, <laughs> very funny. Uh, I actually met Brian Warfield a few years ago, but sure, he's probably interacted with so many thousands of people that he wouldn't know way to remember that. Right. Yeah. What, what a legend. What a, what a great memory that is. Do you, do you still have the belt? Uh, it's definitely in this house somewhere, but where it is, I do not know. <laughs> um, plus, it would probably be the size of a ruler now, since I was so small <laughs> back then. Right. I don't know what it even what it even fit around <laughs> fit around my neck, but um, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's it's funny. Um, do you find that like obviously there's a the the culture of Irishness is way more stronger in the States. I think people are proud to be Irish, which isn't a bad thing at all. But here in Ireland, especially in modern Ireland now, we've kind of lost that. Do you find that there's an increasing disconnect between Irish people that come over now versus when they used to come over? Or do you not really notice it? I don't really notice it that much. I, I think that um, there are there are people here that are, they're proud to be obviously proud to be Irish and, and sometimes go overboard with it, right? So um, being Irish is, is cool, right? So everybody wants to be Irish, and that's why so many people claim Irish heritage. If you look at the statistics um, with this ancestry dot com things and, and these DNA test sites, you know everybody everybody's proud to see the results of whatever percentage they're Irish or whatever. No, I think the connection is still there. I think that. Um, I think that uh, that hasn't changed much um, o- over time. Matter of fact, it may even be may even be stronger um, in some in some instances. You know, things are things are crazy right now in this country on a political standpoint. And you know, I, I make it a policy not to talk politics on my on my radio show or on on social media. But there are a lot of people that you know I, I've seen comment. Uh, you know, I've never wanted to move to Ireland more than I do now. You know, kind of <laughs> stuff from people yeah. because of how how unstable things are so yeah. i think that the connection is still there and I, I i don't think that that has had an effect over the years at all really that's good i certainly i've noticed a huge difference between like i know myself even when i was growing up here I, like i mentioned earlier i didn't really embrace being irish at all and damien dempsey told me two years ago when i met him that Ireland's like a painting in that you have to remove yourself, st- take a few steps back to appreciate the beauty. And I thought that's a really good way of putting it because when you're growing up here, you know, you're just the funny guy or the goalie or whatever, you know what I mean? But then you move abroad and all of a sudden you're singing fucking Back Home in Derry, you know, <laughs> all these rebel songs, you know? Right. And it's all, I look at it too, it's always, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? So, uh, the Irish look at America, a lot of them doing this, oh my God, it'd be great to live in America, it's a great country, it's whatever, and it is, but, and, and they don't appreciate their own, and there's people here that say, oh God, I wish I, you know, lived in a, in a, in the Bahamas or in Ireland or whatever, but when you finally get there, and then you realize, hey, it, it was actually a really, really great place where I was before, and when you go back, I think sometimes you tend to appreciate it more. People that have come and settled here in the States and then gone back to Ireland, I think when they go back to Ireland again, they realize what they had and they appreciate it more and vice versa. I think that, like I said, it, it looks, looks better from this side until you get there and you realize that the grass, the grass is green on both sides. That's how, how you take care of it. Right. So I think that that's part of it. 
Absolutely. Um, when I was growing up as well, like I've always been told from my age, this has nothing to do with the profound quote you said, but because we're talking about grass, it, it triggered a, a thing here. And uh, James Joyce would be proud of this podcast because it's all over the place, but it'll all make sense at the end, you know? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you know, all these kids, because I was the tallest in my class, and I used to tell my mom, like, did you guys get the wrong birth cert at the hospital or something? Because I've always looked older than I was, too, and everything. But I used to say that, because uh, every summer I'd go to the States, like, it'd be Michigan or Chicago or uh, Boston or New York. I, I've i been around, but um, I used to say that, oh, yeah, like a vegetable, I get all the rain on me in Ireland, and then I go over to the States and get all the sun, and that's how I grow so tall. <laughs> hey, what are you six four? I am indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're definitely you're definitely tall for for the Irish for sure. Yeah, well, my dad's a, a big fella too, and I'll be overtaking him shortly. It's weird. My the next in line to me, my brother Jer, he's outgrown all of us. So now I'm the small fella, and because I've I I actually kind of get a bit of short man syndrome around him, which is crazy because. I'm taller than most of the population, but it's real. It's real. Do you ever go and check out, like, the comparisons between, we'll say, Chicago Gaelic Park, which I'd be familiar with, and the Irish scene in Detroit? Is there much of a difference there, or would the cultures be similar, or...? The cultures be similar. There's obviously more Irish in Chicago than there would be in Detroit. Uh, the population in general is more, uh, and there's there's more more places and more Irish bars and places in Chicago. It's a much bigger city. But yeah, the culture would be would be would be the same. I, I get down to Cleveland once in a while and hit a few of the the Cleveland Irish bars and and such, and it's it's all very similar. Um, I, I think they and again everybody is proud to be Irish and they try to support their their music and their culture the best they can. But it's 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 very similar regardless of where you go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting because I would notice like there's kind of a huge difference between uh, the Irish in Chicago and the Irish in Boston. Uh, I do think maybe it's a Midwest thing because I know it's a stereotype, but it's a good stereotype to have. People in the Midwest are friendly as all hell. I mean, it's so funny. Like the first time I went to Chicago for my cousin's wedding after living in Boston for like a year and a half, I went into a shop and I thought everyone was just trying to like scam me into buying something on commission because they were so friendly. Whereas you go into a shop in Boston, the stock isn't there. People don't want to deal with you. It's like a completely different thing. But uh, I think it's just because, um, I don't know. Have you been to Boston before? I've not. No, it's, it's on my bucket list, but I've not. No. It's a very congested city. Like everyone's just kind of living in close population to each other. But um, once you get to know people, they are friendly. Maybe it's just the the harsh, bitter winters that kind of make people a bit more cold. But um, I would notice like a huge difference between Chicago and Boston because the likes of Chicago, if you want to get, I don't know, like for example, a bag of potatoes, right? There's really only Winston's. But then in Boston, it's like even non-Irish shops will sell like Cadbury or Tato or whatever, hmm. you know. So it's it's just interesting to uh, 
to see the difference of how things are done. So that's why I asked you that question. But moving on then. So you would have discovered the Wolf Tones album. What age were you when you were doing that, that spotlight gig for them? Oh, it had to be maybe 12 or 13 at that stage. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, when I was a young guy, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were like 17 or something. 13 running spotlights. That must yeah. be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah and had, not having a clue of what i was doing just knowing to pull down certain levers and trying to think of colors and during certain songs but it was it was good though it was a good experience when i did um i did a stint in high school in the in boston actually and when i whenever there'd be parties on or whatever i um i'd get dirty looks because you know after a while, I would just disappear and put on my own music on the speaker because I couldn't tolerate any of the <laughs> rap or anything. Not to say I don't like rap. Like there, there, there's lots of good genres, but the stuff that's very popular among my generation today, there's like, you know, you can barely understand four or five words you can make out, and then there's all these crazy beats, and then the Irish rap scene at home, everyone tries to sound um, English, except for kneecap who are fantastic and versatile are pretty good as well they're more of a satirical comedy joke but then their songs got so popular that people started taking them serious so then they put out a song with coolio and that's just a whole other thing but um when you're getting approached for music to play on the show what's the kind of stuff you look for um, I mean, as far as like from artists or from from listeners that that were requesting songs, I suppose both because they'd kind of be different. I'd imagine if I was in your shoes. Yeah, yeah. The artist, um, I pretty much will play anything as long as as long as it's good quality. The one the one thing that I and I don't want to offend anybody, but the one thing that I don't like is and I won't play generally are artists who are just karaoke singers. Right, you get you get a, a solo singer who has backing tracks, and there's no other, no, there's no live instruments, not even a guitar or anything, and they they you know they'll send music, they recorded a song, but basically, it's a microphone and backing tracks, and yeah, they may have a lovely voice, but to me, that's a karaoke singer, and yeah. and I so I I try to avoid those if I can, um, you know, so I like at least one person at least playing have some kind of a musical talent, right, to play an instrument. So I try to avoid the karaoke tracks um, if I can, but uh, but other than that, you know, if it's you know if if it's a young young group or or a veteran group, if they have a new song, I'll I'll give it a spin. It's not up to me to judge um, whether it's good or bad because things I things I may like, other people may not like, and I may think a song shite, but somebody <laughs> else you play it and they loved it. Yeah. So I'll 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 give it a spin, and you know we'll get response from people. I'll ask people what they thought of it, and I'll ask the, the locals. You know, hey, what'd you think of that? And then that, that helps to determine, you know, when we play again. But, yes, it, we pretty much, my show, our show, is is not about me. And it's not about us. And one thing you'll notice on, on the Irish Music Cafe, you never hear me introduce myself or say my name. Ever. You, a lot of other shows, you listen to the show and it's, hi, you're welcome to this show. I'm your host, so-and-so. I, I don't do that. It's not about me. People know who I am. And if they don't know who I am, they don't need to. They don't listen to the show for me. They listen to our show for the music that we play, the artists that we play, and the artists that we talk to and interview. That's yeah. who they're listening to. They don't care who pushes the buttons. 
and who picks the playlist and who introduces it. It's it's about Patty Moore. It's it's about the the artist. It's about Phil Coulter or whoever else that they're listening to. That's what they're listening to. So it's not up to me to determine whether that song's worthy or not worthy. So if if an artist is nice enough to send me on their song, um, it's it's going to get played. Um, and unless, like I said, unless it's offensive, I, I won't I won't do that. I won't play songs that are that are offensive or, or vulgar, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but other other than that, and request, if somebody requests the song, we'll play it. Yeah. And again, you know, same same rules, basically. And just for the listeners um, in Ireland and in the States as well, or wherever in the world that you have access to the internet, uh, to listen live, it's Irish Music Cafe, and I believe it's at, it's between 9 and 11 in Ireland at night, um, is that correct? It is every Monday, yeah. yeah. Every yeah, Monday, from nine to eleven, yeah. And then our podcast, our every show is recorded, and the podcasts are loaded up usually within seventy-two hours of of the broad or live broadcast. And you can go on to the excuse me, I have a sip of tea here, real quick. <laughs> yeah, work away. Are you a Lions man or a Barry's man? Ah, Barry's man. Ah, good man. That's good. No, I do have both. I will say that I have berries and lions in, in the house here. This is a couple of berries. Yeah, now... Um, anyway, continue. Yeah, so... So where were we now on the... Uh, lost my train of thought that we were talking oh, yeah. about the, the music and the request and... Yeah, we were and, talking and about so how there's shows between nine... Every, right, every month. Oh right. yeah, the podcast gets uploaded to Mixcloud 72 there hours. There you go. Yep, and they're all available on our website. And our Facebook page. So if you go to irishmusiccafe.com, you can go back to the podcast heading and listen into any of the podcasts from past years. And the most recent one is right up there. Just press play. And on our Facebook page, under radio show information, if you click that, it'll pop up just like our website. And you can listen to the podcast back back as well. Yeah. And if anyone wants to get in touch and send you a song, I believe the email is Pat at irishmusiccafe.com. Is that correct? It is, yeah. And that comes directly to me, and I'll get the song and get it downloaded. And, you know, I try to get, if people send me music, I try to get them on straight away if I can. Um, this week was a little bit different. This week we had, it was our fifth anniversary, so we had to make sure that we played some songs that we played on our very first show back five yeah. years ago. <clears throat> and then we also had Eamon O'Dwyer from Tip FM. Uh, radio presenter on as a guest and Eamon, Eamon's a good interviewer and a good talker so I knew that I knew that we'd have a good half hour with him so we wouldn't get as many songs in but I try to get the the songs that people sing send to me I try to get them in as as quickly as I can on, on the air for them absolutely is there a preferred for is there a preferred format mp3 or wav does it matter yeah, MP3. Um, with with the with radio station that I broadcast through, it's uh, Cave Radio. It's called. They use a a program that requires everything to be put into a Dropbox folder, and then they use the Dropbox folder to transfer the music into their system. So that has to be MP3. So I can convert it. You know, most people they can, they can send it however they send it. I can convert it. It saves me a bit of time if they send it as an MP3. Absolutely. Then I don't have yeah. to go in and, and convert it. But I will convert it if I if I can. Absolutely. Well, there you go. If anyone's listening and thinks they have what it takes, you know, hit up Pat because he was very generous to give me uh, my first radio break. And that led me to getting on Galway Bay FM, which I never thought I'd do. But, you know, here we are. So I 
all a huge um, credit to you. So thanks Not at all. again. When, 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 you, when you record good music and good songs and good, good lyrics, um, you, make, you make your own breaks, right? So it's, uh, we were just the first to play it, but that doesn't mean that the Galway AFM wasn't going to play it anyway. So when you make good music, good things happen. So that's, that's, in your case, that's what it was. It was nothing to do with me. It was all the music that you did, and, and you, earned, you earned that right to get played on Galway AFM. Well, cheers for that. I, I appreciate that. Um, do you still get any sort of a jitter when you're reaching out to people that maybe you've never met them in person before, so you don't know, oh, are they going to say yes to come on the show? Are they going to say no? Do you still get those kind of butterflies, or are you immune to it now because you've been doing it for all these years? No, I still do. I mean, I take every show serious. So when I go in every every Monday, I... I get there usually at least an hour and a half before the show airs just to get my laptop set up so I can get on the Facebook link and make sure I've got everything lined up. So, yeah, I, I, I take it very serious, and, and I, I do occasionally. I, um, but the, the artists that I've had a chance to interview, even even the, the larger names, Phil Coulter and Daniel O'Donnell, et cetera, um, they've all been very generous um, and very, very friendly when uh when i've talked to them i mean phil coulter was was just a pure gentleman i had met phil back a couple of years ago at a concert he was performing with andy cooney and it was downtown detroit and after the after the concert during the meet and greet i met phil coulter and i had him sign the program and i got a, a photo with him so when i arranged to speak with phil coulter to interview him for our show um when i started chatting with him i reminded him I said, yeah, I met you back in 2017 with Andy Cooney down at down at Music Hall down in downtown Detroit. And he said, oh, great, yeah, it was a good show. We when we get on the air, when I, I pre-recorded the interview, and when we started the interview, you know, I did the introduction, legendary Phil Coulter, uh, welcome to the program. And the first thing out of his mouth was, great to talk with you again, Pat. Now he doesn't remember talking to me. There's no way he remembered meeting me at Music Hall. But the first thing he said was, it's great to talk to you again. Like we were friends and we have talked together many times. It yeah. put everything at ease. It, it relaxed yeah. me and it made it so easy to do the rest of the interview. It was like talking to yourself, right? Um, it, it was, it was no, no problem at all. So it removed whatever butterflies I had. But yeah, you get starstruck sometimes. And I, know, I know that in the end of the day, they're just people like you and I are. But they're people that have an amazing talent, right? So, Absolutely, um, yeah. So I do get starstruck, yeah. And I hope I never lose that. Yeah, you kind of want to stay um, you kind of want to stay curious and also kind of stay humble, I guess. I don't know. I'm kind I think I'm very full of myself, but um, you know, without that curiosity, it can lead or no, let me rephrase this. I think what makes for a good interview is if you can put yourself in the perspective of being a genuine fan and someone that has a genuine interest. And I think if you look at, you know, Jimmy Fallon or Conan or whatever, their personalities too. So their interviews aren't really as good because they're not, you know, they've peaked over the mountain of success that they don't have that, uh, that those butterflies anymore they don't get excited about oh i'm gonna talk to phil coulter or daniel o'donnell or nathan carter or whatever so i think it's i think it's good and i i think you have a good mindset there of wanting to hope that those feelings never go away which leads me to my next question um you know you've mentioned you've had daniel o'donnell on and phil coulter and 
you guys spoke to Nathan Carter as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, the next five years, if you plan to keep it going for the next five years, um, no pressure there now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> who who's in the crosshairs? Um, well, I, I will tell you who was in the crosshairs, and we were just devastated uh, when we learned that he passed away a couple weeks ago. Liam Riley was on was on the schedule to come on. I had last talked with Liam um, via messenger back uh, October 28th was my last message. And um, we, he had agreed to come on the program. We just needed to set up a time. We said, you know, the holidays are, are coming up, so let's set up a time. And then I had sent him a message recently um, about our fifth anniversary and that I'd love to chat with him soon. And he had agreed to come on the show. We hadn't set a date yet, uh, yeah. but that was one of them. You know, I've reached out. I had a, a chat with Ronan Tynan on Sunday uh, from the Irish Tenors, and he, he said he would love to come on the show. Again, we're, we're working on the time. Uh, the Black Donnellys are another one that we've reached out and talked to, Dave Brown. Um, yeah, we've had Nathan on a few times. So we've had a few of the, the ladies from Celtic Women have been on. Uh, one of my favorite interviews is with Wally Page, a uh, great songwriter, written a lot of songs for Christy Moore. So, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to get some of the big and what we try to do also we don't want to interview just one type of genre of irish music we want to get trad musicians and writers songwriters on we want to get some of the country we want to get some of the folk so you know larry Kerwin has been very good to our, our program as well from black 47 uh yeah so we're, we're we're reaching out and i spend a lot of time on social media trying to reach these people and they don't know who i am when i when i contact them sometimes <laughs> you have to go through the management and and whatever um but yeah, hard work pays off when you're looking for an interview. And when I when I send my radio request in, I do it as a fan. Um, you know, I always make sure that they know that first of all, I'm a fan of your music, and would be honored to speak with you on the program. So, um, and I respect the, the ones that come on. So yeah, we're we're trying to bring the best that we can, and we've done we've done more interviews with first time artists. Like for for Neve Lynn, for example, she's a country singer. Um, we were her first radio interview, and we we. We will take those just as we'll take a superstar. Yeah. Um, if there's there's somebody who is is producing good music and wants to wants to get that music out there, we'd love to talk with them. I should so say that you guys have had me on as well. Um, we have. Stars, we'll have you on stars. again. <laughs> when, Hopefully, as, as 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 more music comes out and as you release more music, absolutely. Our job is to help promote the artists and and their songs and their products. So that's what we'll do. Whether you have one hit song or if you have forty hit songs. A few years ago, I don't know if you're a country music fan at all, we had Phil Vassar on the show. He was a, a 1990s um, country singer, right? And yeah, he was just another day in paradise. <laughs> absolutely, yep, absolutely. And he, he has written so many hit songs, My Next 30 Years for Tim McGraw, Little Red Rodeo for Colin Ray. And uh, probably three years ago, two or three years ago, he was touring Ireland, and there was a fellow named Declan Quinn who was doing some promotion for him and he was promoting his programs and his concerts in Ireland. And he, Declan rang me and said, Hey, would you mind having Phil Vassar on your show? I said, that'd be great. Right. <laughs> so we, we yeah. so we, we did that as well. So, yeah. so we're, we're always looking for, to keep our, our, our listeners entertained. And part of that is our conversations with, uh, with the music makers. I should say for those that aren't aware, because most people that listen to this are going to be fans of yours and the Irish Music Cafe, but for the listeners of Ireland and beyond, uh, Pat's show, it's not what we think of when we hear the word Irish music. Like, 
it's music from Ireland. It's not necessarily, you know, trad or ballads like you guys will play U2 and there's a whole, there's a whole mix in so long as they're Irish, which is kind of a similar thing what I'm doing with my podcast. And um, another congrats for you. You're the first Irish-American on the program, so congrats for that as well. <laughs> but well, thank you. It's, it's an honor. I, um, w- like, do you think maybe you're opening yourself up for a bit of uh, abuse by doing that? Because we'll say, like, traditional music at home anyway, there's very, it's not as open. Like, I noticed when I play at sessions in Boston, they'd be like, sing whatever you want, fucking, you don't even have to be in time. I'd be trying to figure out chords or whatever, and they're like, watch me, just strum in time or whatever. But then here, there's like a, it's very, it's highly coveted, and it's hard to like, I don't know, it's almost impossible to break into the trad scene. Would there have been much kind of um, abuse, I guess, for playing the mix of genres or... No, not at all. Um, and, you know, we, we started from the beginning. One of our things when we talk about the show, um, one of our taglines is your heritage, your music. And then we tell people, look, we play the best variety of Irish music. So they know from the beginning that we're, we're going to play. And there's going to be some songs. I have some older listeners that when I play Rory Gallagher, for example, or Foy Vance or Gary Moore, who played with Thin Lizzy back in the day, we play some of their solo stuff. It's it's rock and bluesy, right? So we get some of the some of the o- older listeners that might be in their seventies or eighties that they want to hear, you know, Frank McCaffrey doing a waltz or Dermot O'Brien, and they hear Rory Gallagher. They might not like that particular track or that particular song, but it's three or four minutes out of a two-hour show that they have to get through. Exactly. Um, and then there's some people. There's some people who who don't like the trad as much or or think you know, don't like some of the older stuff, right? So we try to mix it up so that there's something for everybody. But no, we've never had any problems with anybody. Um, you know, there's people that, will listen, that don't listen live that will listen to the podcast so that they can skip a, a track or an interview. Sometimes the interviews might go a few minutes longer than they would like, so they might, they might skip the interview part and get back to the music. That's, that's the beauty of, of the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't have any problems like that. That's good. I'm happy to hear that. Just, um, I guess in rapping, what do you look forward to? Obviously, I guess two alternatives. One is, what do you look forward to if coronavirus didn't exist? And then the other is, what do you look forward to given the circumstances we're in? Uh, well, coronavirus is, is as bad as it's been and it, it, with everybody being shut down and locked down. Um, one of the great things that have happened is a lot of these online concerts that you see. Um, a lot of the artists have done online features on, on Facebook. And, and, and when you sit down and listen to some of them, you may not be so familiar with them. Uh, but, but to learn about the, the, the music and hear their songs, um, that's been one of the things that I've, I've enjoyed is hearing. There's one particular fellow out of Waterford named Tom Comerford. Uh, I'm sure you might be familiar with him. He was yeah. part of the whole shebang for a number of years. And he's popular in the States as well and does the Andy Cooney Cruise of Irish Stars. Tom's done one now every Wednesday and, and Sunday, and I try not to miss those. It's just a, a, an hour or so of him singing, laughing, and very relaxed atmosphere, you know. So you yeah. learn a lot about folks. So I've, I've enjoyed that part. I'm looking forward to getting back to the live music and, and the festivals and the concerts, etc. That's the biggest thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to. Um, yeah, the, 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 
with with the with the COVID situation, it's it's divided this country. I know, and I'm sure it has in Ireland. There's people who feel that everything should be opened back up again and things should go back to normal. And then there's people who are fearful. I hope that when it's all said and done, that we all remember that uh, whatever the situation is, that. Uh, any of us can get it and we're all in it together right so yeah so the main thing is is to get out of this safely and get back to get back to celebrating our heritage with the live music and the events and be able to go to the pub and have a pint and, and a bit of crack with with your with your pals you know that that's that's what i'm looking forward to the most when all this is over with absolutely yeah i'd be the same i'm kind of somewhere in the middle which is why i think i te- i seem to <laughs> get a lot of people angry at me on both sides just because like i obviously can acknowledge that the virus is real but then i can also acknowledge that particularly particularly in ireland like the government response i know a lot of people aren't happy with and i'm not going to get into the ins and out of it because this podcast is escapism it's not i'm not here to preach you know i have other outlets for that but um yeah there's definitely more of a sense of togetherness over here anyway and i think in america it's different but you know, I think um, I think people just need a little bit more perspective of, um, you know, that the America still is a great country and it might be going through a lot of bad stuff now. But I think if people take pride in who they are and what they are and, you know, as you said, the grass is always greener. If if they can just kind of appreciate and internalize that, you know, there are a lot of great people in that country, then... I think things will start to improve, but it's going it's going to take a long time to kind of heal that divide. So, I'm hoping oh, for indeed. I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, and that's all you can and do. The, and the and the pubs here, you know, like in Ireland, they're closed. Um, you you can only order a carry out meal, for example, uh, takeaway. Um, you you can't, at least in the state of Michigan, and that's supposed to on the fifteenth now on Friday. They're supposed to make an announcement whether to open back up again, but. I'm also a mobile disc jockey, so I, I I DJ weddings, and that's that's my main source of income. Um, the radio show is just something I do for passion. But you know, I 2020, I, I I average 30 weddings a year that I DJ for, and yeah. last year I think I did four the entire uh. year. So so my livelihood, my my financial was was basically shut down just like just like if it was a shop or a pub or whatever um with with no no gigs and no income it's like just like a musician right you you make your money going out and gigging and 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 that's how you make so i'm I'm very similar to that but i'm also cognizant of the fact that look this thing needs to be under control so that Mm -hmm. more people don't so so i you you take the good with the bad right and you just hope that you hope that you survive you hope in the end you're here to talk about it in, in a year's time so that's, exactly. Yeah. That's that's tr- how I try to look at it. Exactly. Well, that's a that's a good mindset, and it's been a pleasure picking your brain for the last hour and a bit. And um, everyone, tune in to Irish Music Cafe Mondays uh, between nine and eleven Irish time, which is Detroit on Eastern time or Central. Detroit's Eastern time. Yeah. So, so we're the- same, we're in the same time zone as New York and Boston and. Four to six local time then. Is that four it? to six in the yeah, four to six Eastern time zone and nine to eleven in Ireland. Until we get screwy and we set the clocks ahead or back in March and October, and then <laughs> yeah. we're off an hour either way in Ireland. So I, I always have to do the math, and I'm not very good at math uh, <laughs> when, when that time comes. So yeah, and, and most of the time it's nine to eleven in Ireland. All right. Well, as I said, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for coming on, 
and all the best in the future. Thanks, Patty. Appreciate it. It's a little bit different being on the answering the question side of the microphone rather than asking the question. So I appreciate the invitation. I appreciate you having me on and having an interest in our program. And uh, continued success with you and, and your podcast and, and in your music as well. All right. Cheers. Thanks, Pat. Cheers to you.